0: You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. Discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time.
1: Well, hello again, friends, and welcome to another Fathom 15, where the Seths and I uh, spend uh, about 15 minutes, give or take, uh, talking about something Enneagram related. And uh, gentlemen, today we're going to talk about typing.
0: Like on a keyboard?
1: keyboard typing no
0: keyboard typing <laughs> how did you learn to type
1: we're typing on a kitar. <laughs> i still use my key- pinky <laughs> whatever <laughs> happened to the kitar?
0: you <laughs> guys are musicians it's a, it's do either of thing. you
1: do either of you play a kitar? have you ever played one nope
0: no nope. but
2: there's some bands that still do it that's for sure yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, man i feel like with everything that's 80s related coming back there should be <laughs> <Yeah>. a <laughs> renaissance 80s. of the kitar. Wow. Anyway, no, we're going to talk about Enneagram <laughs> typing. We're going to talk about our own typing experience, uh, some resources and strategies for typing. And if we have time, we'll see how to avoid mistyping. So why don't we start? Uh, I'm curious because I'm not sure. I think I know this for both of you, but I'm not entirely sure how you both discovered your type.
2: I'll go. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think, if I remember right, it was back, and we've talked about this before for me, when I was in uh, one of Suzanne Stabile's uh, Know Your Number workshops. Mm -hmm. It's like this two-day long uh, where she just goes through describing all the numbers through her various stories and just, uh, yeah, in-depth description of each type. And I just remember, I think she... I think she probably did the whole eight, nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven thing, and I, I'm pretty sure I had I had known potentially that I was a nine before that. But into that, I probably thought I was a nine. But then after that, I mean, for like a year and a half at least, I it, it's pretty easy to question that, and I have ideas of if you know, like when you start to see yourself in other descriptions, or then yeah. you bring in the subtypes, and I I definitely questioned my nineness for a little while or or based on different things that could get into the object relations i'm like ah well i look more like a four in this regard Mm -hmm. or you know but primarily because i i remember reading um what's his face uh richard Rohr's book and and, uh (laughs) father what's his face yeah (laughs) and uh no david father when he was in nashville he told me you know the tests are a newer thing and one of the best ways in the past you'd find your type was you, you read a great description, and the one that made you want to throw the book across the room was the one that named you. And, mm. and Richard Rohr's description haunted me for a long time. Okay, so oh, there's his go. description of the nine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, Creek. How about you?
0: Yeah. No, mine. I mean, actually, through Abram, he he and I were playing music at a camp, actually. And he just Aww. brought out camp just, songs. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's. He did a, like a small, quick little test that basically had you choose a couple paragraphs, and then it popped out four. And I'm like, oh my! So yeah. it, I, I guess, I'm one of the few people apparently that, like, type was very quickly discovered, and I never really ever doubted it. Yeah, um, Should talk about that. Yeah, yeah. It was really interesting for such a limited, for such a limited test and knowledge of it. How how quickly I was able to see it. Yeah, and my goodness. So, um, yeah, not, nothing much to tell other than that.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, so, I've shared my story before. You know, I was working with a nonprofit in Vancouver, and there was uh, guessing. I don't know for sure. I'd love to know, try to find the person who did the Enneagram typing and training with us, mm. uh, but I'm almost positive we took the ready, you know, the Rizzo Hudson mm. Enneagram type indicator test. And, you know, I've shared this before. I, I went in incredibly skeptical, came out with my mind blown uh, because it it did capture me so well, which I know is, is not everyone's Mm. experience with the test Mm -hmm. or with the typing process in general. But it, I did feel like, okay, I'm definitely a type three and I'm a little terrified about how accurate this is of me. (laughs) It did kind of freak me out a bit, but it does seem like the three of us both kind of discovered our type relatively quickly. You know, Mm I, I have heard of people and even, you know, the aforementioned Russ Hudson, uh, I know changed his type or not, didn't change his type, but realized he was <laughs> If anyone not... could
2: though, it would be him. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Man, that'd be something,
1: wouldn't it? Um, oh my but goodness. He, he realized he was a different type well into his own kind of deep study of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I
2: think it was it, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. Uh, one or two years.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. One or two years. Maybe we'll have to have him on to talk about that. I don't know. But I do know some people, it t- takes a really long time. And uh, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts why, for some people, it seems to make sense right away, and for others, it seems to it can take a long time and be a little bit more of a confusing and torturous process.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder if uh, a lot of what this, there's, there's a lot of directions I feel like I could go with this, but I think some of it is the difference between self-awareness and self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you know, self-awareness is accurate ability to see yourself in your in your patterns you know to be able to see to be able to see patterns self-knowledge is the the sort of self-concept i have of myself that i want me to i want to be this way and so i am these things and well potentially that's not actually you you know it's it's a sort of the instagram version of yourself uh that you think is you you know or that yeah I, i think there's a difference there but also just with the rise of of the Enneagram, the re-rise again, you know, the, the popularity of it. I think there's just a lot of misunderstanding and bad teaching and not great yep. descriptions and Yeah, I think it's that and just the the lack of self awareness. Mm-hmm. I think those two things I'm sure there's more, but those two things, things are huge, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also just the um the willingness and the and the interest that are kind of required to You can be presented with all the correct information, but if you don't feel like, like you don't see the importance, or you don't um, have any interest in seeing what's actually going on, then no, you're not. You're not going to see the right the right things if you don't have the willingness and the interest to engage in those in those things.
2: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: You know, I also think there's some other factors that could be complicating factors. They don't have to be. I think it's pretty easy early on when encountering the Enneagram to confuse wings and core or dominant type that can mm. be confusing at times. Or, um, if you are the counter type, you know, in terms of your, your subtype or instinctual stack that can be confusing, you know, cause that, um, your kind of instinctual stack help in many ways goes against the grain, the traditional grain of your dominant type that can be confusing as well. So I I would just say if, you know, if we have any listeners who are, who are listening to this and have really struggled to discover their type or know someone who is, there's no deficiency there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. In fact, struggling to discover a type is probably more of an honest journey than just Mm -hmm. what I think many people do, which is just picking the one they like the best or (laughs) without a lot of deep study. Um, So in some ways it should take a little bit of time to kind of sit with it and kind of live with the reality of that type as opposed to just, Oh
2: yeah, that's me, you know?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes me think of uh, something that I, I read a little while ago from Helen Palmer. She says that the most important thing in discovering type is that you have to observe yourself in order to find out your own position, you know, on the, on the, on the, yeah. on the system. So like when when you discover your type in it's it's that it's by discovering your center point as she terms it that that organizes all your thoughts and feelings and sensations and memories and uh, yeah. all these things and that, that center point is is Grijif's chief feature, you know, that I'm idea sure. which is Yeah. 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 And
1: that's and I think that's important to highlight is that if we have aspects of all the nine types within us It's a lot more Mm -hmm. difficult to sort through a group of nine to figure out which one is more dominant or leading or core or the Mm -hmm. center, you know, as Palmer would say, as opposed to eliminating types one by one until you only have one left, you know. Um, I think it can be more difficult to kind of integrate all nine into a framework with one as kind of the dominant.
0: Yeah, and I I think, I mean, obviously we've talked about trait based language a lot and it trait trait based language is really easy to understand really easy to regurgitate but motivational language is a lot harder to articulate and to um, get a felt sense within yourself on because because emotions are not something obvious yeah. for some people if you're not used to observing emotions and motivations and observing your thoughts observing your patterns then understanding you have to almost build a skill which is mindfulness presence all that stuff before you're even able to actually listen to yourself and yeah. see where things are showing up but if it's just like fives love to read books that's a very <laughs> easily uh, seen thing um, when that's not the not really the case at all when it comes sure. to type
1: right or yeah even the motivation for why a five may want to read a lot of books right
0: <laughs> you know, right right exactly yeah, yeah yeah
1: it's not getting deep enough that's for mm-hmm. sure um all right so what if we offered you know kind of our own suggestions for how to go about typing <laughs> is it because here's the thing I, there are a million tests out there there are um, a million teachers and coaches out there and there's no definitive way to discover your type, mm-hmm. which um, in my experience in trying to introduce the Enneagram to someone can be really overwhelming.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if someone wants wants to figure out their dominant type and all, if you all you do is Google, how do I figure out my Enneagram type? You will very quickly be overwhelmed and confused. Mm-hmm. So what resources or strategies do you recommend for discovering type um, i throw darts against a poster of the enneagram that i have and whichever <laughs> one is closest yeah. that's my type that's great uh,
2: have you ever done one of those uh, i don't know what you call it uh, where you put the medicine over your heart and then you hold out your arm and somebody pulls your heart your arm down and if your arm goes if it stays in place that med- that's the medicine that you need so you could place the Enneagram type over your heart that you think is you and which <laughs> I feel okay.
1: like you have wasted money on some snake oil too many times. <laughs> From, oh my. What have you purchased using this method? I would love to know. <laughs> oh
0: my. Uh, oh. <laughs> no. No. So, I mean, there's, there's, um, yeah. Like you said, Drew, there's so many, there's so many tests out there and, <laughs> weirdly all of them are saying this is probably the best test you will ever find and it's like <laughs> the oh, most definitive
1: the most accurate yeah um yeah. and then there are I, some who are anti test and think all tests are evil
0: yeah i mean so there's there's truth on both sides right and i think of i mean when you're if you if you put in the search term like hey i i how do i how do i get in shape or how do i how do i become healthier there's you're gonna get so much good things and not great things. Yeah. Um, and first you have to have, you have to be one, again, you wanna be interested and you wanna be willing to make that journey. It's not a formula. It's not, you have to be interested in making a change and interested in, in, in going someplace. And I know in the fitness community, some people are like, here's the diet, no, diets are evil. Or here's a workout plan. No, workout plans are evil. And um, you just kind of have to do what works and just yeah. keep moving. Just keep doing the thing that are next, doing the next right thing in front of you that's gonna lead you towards um, greater awareness and presence, which who cares if you ever find your Enneagram number? Yeah.
2: Whoa, whoa, it's whoa. About- I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: Hot take over here. Uh, <laughs> it's about the presence. It's about the awareness. Yeah. Um. And just get off of <laughs> yeah. trying to find your number. Um. That being said, I mean, I think we'd all agree, the the Rizone Hudson test, the Ready, um, at Enneagram Institute, seems to be the most. Yeah. There's been the most work, the most studies, the most, um, things put into that, so that it is a starting point.
1: Right. No, I think that's true. When I have, I encounter people who want to take a test, I'm not pro test or anti test. I think it's one possible kind of resource that can be helpful in discovering mm. your type. But I, I would say most of the tests out there uh, coming from a perspective of a social science researcher are really garbage because you can't, it's so hard to test for core motivations. It's really hard to do that and do it well with, yeah what we call, uh, in the business of validity, statistical validity. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I'd say the Rizzo Hudson seems to be more accurate than most, if not all.
0: And
1: so I I know people use these results in different ways. I tend to tell people, Hey, if you take the, the Rizzo Hudson test, uh, let's, let's meet and talk about your top three results. Let's Mm -hmm. look through those and try those on. Um, Because sometimes, you know, the difference in like scoring between your first and your third result can be, you know, Mm -hmm. two points, Mm -hmm. which really seems like splitting hairs, you know, when we're talking about something as important as your core personality type. So,
0: right. And it, and it at least gets you, gets the person um, familiar with the language, familiar with what it's trying to do. So then you can start working with that language and working with those observations that they've made about themselves, That's true right. or not.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, so when I... I I mean, I would recommend doing a, a typing interview with, uh, with a trusted professional. I mean, I think the test is, is a good way to start, but then, Drew, like you just said, get it down to one or two options and then have a conversation with somebody that knows about the Enneagram. And hopefully what they will do is not give you a definitive answer, but they will show you how to use... A few of the different strategies. Which which of the two numbers can you start to look at in your life? Which which how are you reacting uh, more uh, closely to one of these types in your life? Mm -hmm. But also another thing I think of is, you know, since the enneagram is a two part tool, right, that of personality and potential. It's I think it's important to name that type patterns develop as a movement away from our essential nature, and so I think we're we're looking at personality traits, but also how those are in direct correlation as imitations of a specific essential quality. So that's, that's one way to, I don't know if that makes sense, but one way to look at it is, it, it, well, harmony uh, and peace is uh, an essential quality for type nine, right? Yeah. And well, what's, what's, um, what's the way that the personality tries to manufacture that in the world? Well, it's avoidance that feels like that's the imitation of peace. So you can kind yeah. of hold both of those in, in tandem to see which one of the ways that I pursue what is important to me, whatever I idealize. Well, what's the opposite of that? That's what I sure. have to avoid. Those things work in correlation. Those things work in tandem. That's that's mm. something I usually usually yeah. use um, with people when I sit down. Mm. But also, I really, really, really believe that you can believe you can believe anything in in a vacuum. Right? So if, if uh, you don't put the your Enneagram type within the context of the center of intelligence it's in, to it doesn't work because the center is the why of type.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think you mentioned typing interviews. Uh, when I give a typing interview to someone, I work really hard to make sure that the questions that I'm asking, do mm-hmm. not at all reveal <laughs> the particular Enneagram type that I'm, or set of types, you know, different triadic kind of groupings that I'm leaning into or kind of exploring. Because I, I think what could easily happen in a typing interview, if it's not done well, is that it can just ask about the traits, right? Right. Um, and just get into that surface level kind of trait conversation and mm-hmm. not get beneath the surface of really what's going on kind of internally yeah. within uh, the nine type structures. But yeah, if you can find someone who knows how to do a typing interview really well, uh, that's a, tends to be a really effective way mm. to, because you typically have, you know, 50 minutes or so with someone and you have their undivided attention and they're Soul focus is to help you discover your type. That's a pretty powerful way to use that time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, final thought for me is just in, in typing interviews, and this is, I mean, this is also just good therapy. I think a good typing interview really is um, about mirroring the emotional state of the person in front of you. And I, I find that focusing on the reactivity to emotions, whether that's um, using those emotions or running away from particular emotions, that's where you really start to gain some clarity on where that type is coming from. So, I mean, especially if someone is conflict or anger, often conflict and anger become a lot more apparent because often anger can be a much larger emotion if you choose to express it, so you can observe a lot more things. Where sadness and fear often to be often tend to be a little bit more subtle, at least in my experience. So it's it, watching that reactivity and seeing why you're reacting the way you are, and that yeah. tends to get some point somewhere deeper. Yeah, um, and of course you can read books.
1: If, if you're uh, if you're an avid book reader, you know that can be a really helpful way. Sounds like both. Uh, Abram and Creek, you both uh, benefited from some reading about the types. And so, of course, there's a million now Enneagram books out there that you can read. Mm -hmm. A million Um, and one. A million and one. (laughs) Enneagram (laughs) discernment. There you go. Um, uh, Another kind of of outside-of-the-box idea that I sometimes offer to people, not as a definitive typing kind of discovery tool, but I do think it can be helpful is listening to Sleeping at Last Enneagram songs and reading the lyrics while you do so. And um, if one of them kind of stirs up some emotions within you, that could be an instance. If they all do, which one tends to kind of stir up the most within you, that can be another helpful take.
2: And I'll I'll just finish with saying, I have uh, Reese & Hudson typing cards. They're really fun. Uh, But one of the things that, they say in the beginning of that, which I thought I've always thought was really helpful, is when you're asking somebody to go through this specific um, typing example, ask them to think through the lens of who you've been the majority of your life most of the time, because this is about the water you've swam in your whole life. That's also why it's so difficult for people to to name this, because you know a fish doesn't know what water is, right? Uh, our brains are literally wired to not let us see what what we've always... Well, yeah. How do you see what you can't see, right? So, I just think who you've been the majority of your life most of the time is a helpful thing. But also, you know, when you start to get down to maybe two numbers and you're still back and forth on that, look at the, the lines of connection. That's that's also additional yeah. cont- that's context. Also, the if, if they're in different centers of intelligence look at, that's again, really important context for the type. Look at the, the main, what the center is, is primarily after and that dominant emotion. But then also, um, finally, there's, I, we've talked about this before, but like the four main triadic groupings, you can really start to narrow some stuff down when you look at things like, then I'm back and forth between, let's say, for example, nine and four. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one of the groupings is, is the Hornivian group and we both withdraw, that makes sense that's why I'm stuck there too um, well you look at uh, the conflict resolution, oh uh, nines smooth things over and right. want peace all the time and fours that went intense emotion that's not, oh that's very different, Right. so right. you start bringing in some of these other contexts for, for the types and it really starts to I think help out as well alright friends
1: Go type thyself.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Truthwork Media Studios.